Farmers are the heartbeat of rural America. Congress recently invested $20 billion in America's farmers and ranchers, focusing on conservation practices and profits for future generations. Today, these funds are at risk. You're squawking over $20 billion, that USDA program. It's investment into the future for everybody. If the funding was eliminated, it could hurt farms and families. Tell Congress, protect this generational investment in the Farm Bill. Learn more at investinourland.org. Paid for by Invest in Our Land. This week, after years of criticism from immigration rights activists and many progressive Democrats, President Joe Biden has ended the use of Title 42. That's the public health law that Donald Trump first used during the pandemic to expel millions of asylum seekers arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border. Biden's decision has drawn predictable outrage from Republicans. But perhaps more worrisome to the president is the growing list of critics from within the Democratic Party who are concerned that Biden's border policies could trigger a humanitarian crisis and perhaps an electoral backlash. Representative Henry Cuellar is one of those Democrats. We always joke around. We at the border, we always smile. Every time there's a new president, it, it's one extreme the other way and another extreme. I'm Ryan Lizza. This is Playbook Deep Dive. Cuellar knows the issue of immigration better than most of his fellow Democrats. He was born to immigrant farm workers in Laredo, Texas, went to college and law school, and eventually jumped into Texas politics and then the U.S. Congress, where he served since 2005, representing Texas's 28th district, which stretches from San Antonio to Laredo and includes 200 miles of the southern border. The first thing you notice when visiting Cuellar's office are the letters PhD after his name on the plaque next to his door. His parents drilled into him the importance of education, and he's never stopped going to school. In fact, he likes to point out that he's got more degrees than anyone else on the Hill. An AA, a BS, an MA, a JD, and that PhD. And in fact, right now, he's studying at the Naval War College for another degree. The left does not like him. He received a lot of attention in the last two election cycles when he was targeted by national progressives and barely survived two primary challenges. One reason for those challenges? Immigration, where Cuellar is well known for being to the right of many of his Democratic colleagues. And as you'll hear him discuss, he's been frustrated with Biden, who he thinks has been too captured by their party's liberal wing on this issue. On the other hand, he voted against the border security bill that House Republicans put on the floor this week. Too restrictionist, he told us. So Cuellar is a lonely centrist, on an issue that has become much more polarized over the last decade. And he thinks Joe Biden should join him in the middle and stop taking advice from the left as the president prepares for the coming aftershocks of his Title 42 decision. Do you think Biden has been too influenced by um, you were raising your left? And your the right answer hand. is yes. Before you even uh, say, it. <laughs> because I, I mean, he's I, and in and his heart of hearts. Do you think he's more like you uh, ideologically on this stuff? Yes. If you you know, I remember him when he was uh, 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 the um, you know senator, and of course when he was vice president, he was always middle of the road. Uh, then and talking to and I remember this. December 10th, December 11, 2020, uh, transition team. I called him up. I said, hey, just want to let you know I'm getting info that 
uh, there's people that are starting to stage on the Mexican side because they're waiting for their new administration. They think it's like, come in, and they say, right. oh, we got everything. You know, we're going through a transition. We got everything. Okay, so, but I'm telling you, this is before all this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, inauguration came in, uh, came and passed, and I, then I called them about a week later, you know, whoever was there at the White House, said, hey, I want to tell you, they're starting to come in. Y'all got to get ready for this. And they said, oh, yeah, we got everything. So I called a couple of weeks after that. And they said, oh, yes, uh, let me, uh, we'll put a couple of people, and they all were telling, oh, yeah, we've talked to the NGOs, and they're ready to process people. And I said, NGOs? So they were looking at how do you get people and send them over here. That's when I said, oh, this is a different type of thinking. So said, their focus NGOs. was they, on the humane treatment of the of the uh, migrants above all. There and then send them into the interior. Got it. Okay. They never mentioned Border Patrol. They never mentioned anybody else. It was just we're, we're talking to the NGOs. That was it, the NGOs. And they play a role, yeah. but that's... Not border security. Right. They're not there to so secure the border. So then there was a trip that we took, and it was a White House uh, uh, trip with all the staffers. We were there at Carrizo, Carrizo Springs. It was one of the first places where they were keeping uh, teenagers there Okay. Uh, in, in Carrizo. It was one of the first. This is at the beginning of the year, uh, first year, 21. So then I was there. I went over there, met him, and I started asking, hey, so what do you do? I'm here at the White House. It was a White House staff. And I said... What did you do before? Oh, I was an immigration activist. What did you do? Uh, I ran an immigration center. What did you do? I was an immigration attorney. Oh, yeah. And then there was, you know, I, I started asking everybody had immigration. Experience. They weren't former CVP officers. They were not former CVP officers. They're all immigration advocates. Yeah. They tell me not to use activists, advocates. And then, um, then there was uh, a couple of the folks, and I said, hey, you were the White House. No, we're with, uh, uh, with this group, an immigration activist. This one is an immigration activist from Austin. I said, really, you're here? Oh, yeah, we got invited to come here. I said, okay, good. So then that's why I said, oh, yeah. What they're seeing is okay. And then that's what I said, oh, this is going to be rough. And, and what we saw was we're seeing this. Then uh, at the uh, then what we saw was that the homeland started talking to homeland. Then in homeland, you could see you got a lot of career people that have been there through Democrats or Republicans. Okay, and you could see they want to do certain things, but they kept White House kept saying no. You're, so, you're shaking hands just so listeners know. Yeah, you're, so you're finally, putting your uh, so finger up and shaking. Now it. with the new changes we're seeing, yeah, I think the homeland security. Career people are finally saying, hey, we got to do something. And politically, now the president's trying to move to the center when it comes to immigration policies. I think a little bit too late, but they're moving to the center now. What do you foresee uh, in the the near term after this policy change? I think for a while you're going to see people coming to the borders because I gave you the numbers. There's over 150, 155,000 people that we know on the northern border state that are going to be coming in. Uh, and I think for a while you're going to have large uh, numbers of encounters at the border. I think a couple of days ago there was over 10,000 a day. That's a lot of people. That think is about a lot. One day, uh, I think it was Tuesday, 10,000. 
and 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 you know I'm and getting that is at multiple points or yeah multiple a, points okay mainly it's, in the Brownsville El Paso area but they, mainly on that okay but you know it, it's so we're gonna see this now will all border communities get the same type of impact no in my area we're the second lowest crossing in Laredo second lowest crossing uh, West Texas is the number one in the country. El Paso uh, is is big. The Valley, Brownsville is big. Does that have anything to do on the American side with policies, or it's more about just the the routes themselves? Uh, it, it, it's basically the criminal organizations control where people go. They control where drugs go. They control. Yeah. So in the Nuevo Laredo across, it's a plaza for drugs. So they don't want oh, kids or family units. Think about this. In Laredo, very low crossing. 94% of them are single male adults from Mexico. Why? I asked Border Patrol, what was the last time you saw a, a family unit on a company of kids? They can't even remember. Huh. But Laredo's now become a processing center. We got processing centers, those tents where they send people mainly from the valley. It used to be Dorio, Eagle Pass, El Paso. Now it's mainly from the valley. We get eight to 10 buses a day. From they're coming in from the valley to be processed there because the valley just can't, Brownsville yeah. can't handle that. So every place is going to be hit differently. So to answer your question, uh, the border, southern borders are going to be hit. But now you got areas like San Antonio, they're getting the overflows from so many other places, become a hub. And of course, we know New York, I've, I've been trying to keep up with New York. By the way, they only get a drop of what we see. You mean when people are, are flying yeah the buses the buses yeah. that they're sending yeah. to D.C. or Chicago or or New York are just a drop of what border community what? and and they're already complaining they're already complaining do they're th- talking about sending buses from New York City to other places um, so do you have the DeSantis view of this that actually it's been it's been good for these uh, blue cities to experience this so they understand the issue I I I, I uh, actually I had that position way before DeSantis <laughs> governor and uh, that was back in uh, 2014 I said it's different when it happens in your own backyard yeah it is it is yeah. I mean uh, so you don't uh, think this you don't you think this is it's been good for Democrats in, in, in some of these cities to see that. I think it's good, you know. I, you know, they're using uh, 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 taxpayers' dollars to send people <laughs> when you know it should. Uh, well, anyway, they're. But anyway, uh, it, it's. I think it's always good for people to understand what we've been facing at the border for so many years. Yeah, and it's only a drop of what we've been facing on border communities. Look, my parents were born in. My father was born in Guerrero, Tamaulipas, Mexico. He became, it's right across the border in Tamaulipas, and he became a legal resident and then a naturalized citizen. Took him years to go through that process. Now, a lot of first-generation Americans, mainly Hispanics in South Texas, are seeing that, you know, they're saying, hold it, we and our parents came in through a long process, legal process, and they're seeing people just come through the border yeah. and, and come in. And it's, look, it's, it's very simple the way I look at it. If I invite you to come to my house and have dinner at 6 o'clock p.m., yeah. and you say yes, and then all of a sudden you decide to show up at 12 noon, you decide to come through the back door, uh, you decide to come through a window, you decide to bring 20 of your cousins and brothers, uh, sisters to come in, I probably would say, hey, hold on, that's not what we talked about. And I think that's what we're seeing at the border. You know, being 1,500 miles away uh, is very different from 
being at the border. If you're a landowner, you have a little piece of land, you've lived there for generations, and all of a sudden you see people coming through your area, or you're a border community, uh, El Paso, Brownsville, and you see people at the streets, or you see people coming to uh, streaming through the border, it causes a little resentment. And I emphasize the word resentment because a lot of first-generation Hispanics did it the right way. For example, my father, Martin. Tell us a little bit about the the politics of this in in your part of the world and um, how it's changed in the last decade since the last serious attempt at doing um, immigration reform. It was 2013 when it fell apart. And it, it seems like the politics in both parties has changed quite a bit in that decade on this issue. I wonder if you could just start on the Democratic side. How has uh, how have the politics changed? And if you look at the history of immigration uh, reform in the U.S. or just immigration laws, um, it's been very emotional, uh, sometimes unfair to certain groups, uh, but it's been very emotional. And in Congress... The last time we had immigration reform was in the 1980s. It was a Republican president named Ronald Reagan in a Democratic Congress. That was the last time. It was bipartisan. Yeah. Um, so no Republicans would support anything like that. Yeah, okay. I mean, if Reagan would ask... That was an amnesty was, bill. Yeah, it was an amnesty. It was an amnesty. So and the, the word it. was not a swear word at that time. Yeah, now <laughs> if we talk about a pathway to citizenship or help the dreamers, first thing... The far right will say amnesty, amnesty. Now, I don't support amnesty uh, the way Ronald Reagan and the Democrats did in the 1980s. But I think, you know, we got to think about it. There's three things in immigration reform. One, border security. I remember when I first got here as a member of Congress, President Bush said, hey, we got to secure the border and then we're going to do immigration reform. He said, give me, I think he said, 650 miles of fencing. Guess what? We gave him 650 miles of fencing. And and we added, as you know, a whole bunch of border patrol. I think they were almost double under Bush uh, around that area. Uh, that a lot time, of surveillance uh, technology, <laughs> a lot, as lot well. of technology and cameras and all that. So we did all this, but then we didn't have immigration reform. And so border security is always a moving target yeah. because right now, if you ask any Republican, they'll say, "Oh, I'll support immigration reform if we secure the border." Now the law that got passed under the um, SECURE Act in, uh, back in 2008 under Bush, says when you talk about operational control, means that no one or any person, it, it's a key that you got to have zero. Well, no president under Bush, Obama, Trump has stopped 100%. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican, Democrat. Of course. Uh, so it's a matter of managing what happens at, at the border. You talk to any border patrol agent, you know, they, you know, the goal is to get it to zero, but no president has That's been able to That's what the statute says. That's what the statute says. To get um, operational control. Got it. And Got if you it. hear so one party... unauthorized crossings to zero. Yeah, to zero. And nobody's been able to do that. Yeah, well, nobody's been able to do that. So you got to have border security, but it's, it's always in flux. Uh, number two, you got to have a guest worker plan. And to me, a good guest worker plan... Uh, is key to this because, look, a lot of these people, uh, at least the, the, the Mexicans, in the old days, people that were crossing over were single male adults from Mexico. Then in the mid 
2000s, uh, you're talking about 2012, 13, then all of a sudden somebody wakes up and said, oh, there's a 1998 law that says that if you bring kids or families from outside the contiguous countries, Canada and Mexico, then there's a different process. Hmm. And then all of a sudden you start seeing family units and non-incompetent kids because they're... And that really didn't get exploited until... Almost yeah, two after, decades after it passed. Exactly. Huh. It was a 1998 law, I think it was by Senator Feinstein from California, that if you look at the law, it says that if, you're, if you have a, a child um, and it's outside the contiguous country, it's treated differently. So if you look at it, I, I've always, my, my thing is everybody should be treated the same. Yeah. yeah. The way we treat Mexicans and Canadians. Anyway, and that so, drove that drove a lot of family migration. Uh, absolutely, yeah. uh, absolutely, and and a lot of it, if you think about it, because I've talked to a lot of teenagers that have come in when they're being held there, and and other folks, you know, what brought you over here? Uh, and I mean, they didn't know about this law, right. and and part of it is they say, oh, we see this, you know, we're watching TV, having our Coca Cola, and we see um, you know images of people coming into the U.S. and then. They somebody will recruit them. Now they're not going to say it's the bad guys, right? But it's the bad guys because the bad guys will make money. Yeah. You know, they bring drugs or people, smuggle or traffic people. Yeah. They make money one way or the other. They control routes, and as long as you control those routes, and that's why there's all this fighting. You hear the killings in Mexico. Yeah, it's rival gangs going afterwards because whoever controls the plazas uh, or the routes makes the money. And that's why you, there's all this killing. Mostly right? turf war. Turf war. Over who controls the trafficking routes. Exactly. Whether it's human trafficking or drug trafficking right. or, or both. Yes. So you go back to guest worker plan. So you will have people that want to come work, send money back, go back, come yeah. back legally. Right. Like this the Bracero program, uh, you know, during World War II. So, so in agriculture, this is, the, this is what most of our farms rely on. Yeah, so if you look at it, one of the reasons, you know, there's a bill coming up, uh, H.R. 2, and there are some Republicans have a The problem. House Republican plan today. The House Republican yeah. plan. Yeah. And, and by the way, you know, I've looked at it. Yeah, well, how are you going to vote on it? I'm going to vote no. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Did you uh, consider voting yes? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of good things in there that yeah. we've done. Yeah. I mean, things that I hope start, like the Stone Garden. Uh, I sit as a ranking member for uh, Homeland Approach in the uh, subcommittee. There's a lot of things we're working on. Technology, uh, getting rid of the Carrizo cane, which is, affects the view of Border Patrol on the, on the river. And that's, some of that stuff's in the bill. A lot of that stuff is in the bill. Yeah. Do I support the wall? No. Uh, though I support the, you know, uh, the, they're changing the E-Verify. We'll see what comes up. Right, because the, the ag states, or Republicans no. said, wait a second, if I have to use E-Verify on my farm. If I have to verify everybody, I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's been estimated that at least 40% of yeah. the farm workers are here without paper. So if you take yeah. 40% of the workers away from farms, farms, uh, and ranchers, you know what's yeah. going to happen. So, you know, a, a good guest worker plan, think about it. It actually will work because if you have a legal system that's efficient, effective, people can come into the U.S., work. Yeah. We know who they are. You do the background checks. They go back, send money back. It's good for those countries because it sends money and builds up their local economy. It's good for that family. But at the same time, think about it. Border Patrol. Somebody comes over. The people that are coming through a guest worker plan are going to come through a legal system. 
Border Patrol doesn't have to uh, worry about them. They they have their own line or they have have their their own system to get in. They have their own system. So then Border Patrol's job becomes a little easier because then they can focus on people that have different motives. So actually, a guest worker plan would be effective. It's worked in the past. But right now, if you try to do that, they say amnesty. On the Democratic side, on the guest worker plan, have are there progressives that have yes. revolted against Even that? Even before you ask yeah. me the question, the, I feel like the, that the, has become a bigger that 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 view has become more prominent on the left. That these guest worker programs are essentially indentured servitude, and we shouldn't have they, them. They'll come in and they'll say, "Oh, you know, you're not paying them enough, and you know the working conditions, and and of course we want the whole reason you need these workers are." Because the, uh, you can't find American employees who will who'll do the work for that my amount, right? My father and my mother were migrant workers. Okay. They were out on the fields. It was not easy work. As you know, it's not an easy yeah. work. And I always say, give it to an American first. And if America doesn't want to do that, then give it to somebody who wants to do it. Because you yeah. still got to take... The, you know, the fruit, the vegetables, you still got to do all that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'll say give it to them. So it, it's, it's it's sometimes it's people that just don't understand the working right. realities. I mean, I'll, I'll say give it to an American first. But if not, somebody should be able to do that job. And it's going to help that individual family. And it's going to help that country because they'll send the remittances back. Farmers are the heartbeat of rural America. Congress recently invested $20 billion in America's farmers and ranchers, focusing on conservation practices and profits for future generations. Today, these funds are at risk. You're squawking over $20 billion. That USDA program, it's investment into the future for everybody. If the funding was eliminated, it could hurt farms and families. Tell Congress, protect this generational investment in the Farm Bill. Learn more at investinourland.org. Paid for by Invest in Our Land. All right, let's go keep going through the bill. So, I, so, I it's, uh, so border security, guest worker plan, and then the other part, which is the third part, the most difficult part is, what do you do about the 11, 12 million undocumented aliens? Yeah. Now, you know, some people want to do amnesty. I don't support that. Pathway, I support that. Uh, or even a regularization. My regularization is at least, you know, give them a status where they can start working legally, pay taxes, get them out of the shadows so we know yeah. who's good and who's bad. I mean, there's a lot of people here who are good, but there are some people that are not bad. So the question is, do you do full immigration reform? Do you do just border security like Republicans want to do? Democrats want to do everything I'm one of those that even if we take some incremental steps, do sensible border security, do some sort of guest worker plan, and then we'll talk about the other 11, 12 million undocumented aliens. Let's go back to talking about the the resentment you you were discussing among some of your constituents. And it sounds like you were talking about especially people of Mexican heritage who uh, went through a a difficult legal process to uh, get citizenship and situated in in the United States. There's so much talk in the last few cycles about um, uh, border area uh, former Democrats or uh, Hisp- or at the very least Hispanics who the Democratic Party thinks should be uh, Democrats uh, suddenly um, being attracted to, to Donald Trump and, and the Republicans. 
Tell us a little bit about that dynamic and how much this immigration, it is, how much this immigration debate is, is a part of that or if it's something else. I'm sure you've studied this political no, question I, very closely. No, I have. I, I have. I have. Look, you know. Uh, and first, in your district, was there a, a, a big a, a big change? No, no. There, there was. A, in my district, it's still stuck to uh, what I call historical voting patterns, pa- patterns, you know, which are the counties that are red and which are blue. Yeah. There was one, didn't affect me. I mean, I still won 80% plus. But there was one county that uh, did go uh, Republican for uh, uh, for the for the governor, hmm. uh, and uh, but otherwise a lot of it stayed the same patterns. Now right. the percentage wise has been changing. The percentage wise has been changing, and I say that because I I you know I mean I, I can go to a church, I can go to a store, I can go to a restaurant, I can go places, and I get people. You know, and these are not far right wingers. These are yeah. normal people I've known for many years. Sorry about far right, but anyway, uh, and they'll tell me, Henry, this thing at the border—that's not right. Hey, you got to do something about the border. And then you know, sometimes you hear older people that are concerned, yeah. and and I can travel anywhere in my district, uh, and people are concerned about this. Now, you know, keep in mind—you know—they see this. They don't. They don't like those images. I mean, if, right. if you look at it, you open up the newspaper, you turn on the TV, you know, listen to radio, uh, you know, whatever the case, they see this every day. So that gets ingrained in their minds, and on that, and that affects it. I mean, I've had people that I've known for years, and you know, I always assume they were Democrats. I say, I'm a Republican. You're the only Democrat, and and and, and I've told the new leadership here. We as Democrats uh, can be for border security and at the same time be respectful of the immigrants' uh, rights. Um, Because I think in the last election, a lot of my colleagues were like, we don't want to know about what's happening at the border, you know, just uh, let people in, but we don't want to. Trump bad, anything, Trump bad. Yeah, bad uh, on that. And and you're right. And, And the thing is, we always joke around. We at the border, we always smile. Every time there's a new president, it, it's one extreme, the other way, and another extreme when it deals with the border. Trump comes in, separate kids, does this, wants to build a wall and all that, one extreme. Then the impression in, in my area is Biden's on the other way. Hey, let everybody in. Even though they say, don't let anybody in. That's, I mean, I mean, all you have to say, when you say the border's not open, but you... You know, you're watching and, and people are just streaming in. I mean, let me ask you, when was the last time you saw somebody being deported? Like an image of it on the news. An mean, image. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. But look what happened with Obama in his first year. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the deportations. He, that now is viewed as, among a lot of Democrats, a lot of progressives, as one of the most horrible things he, he did, right? Yeah, I'm exactly. not say, I'm not saying one way or the and, other. And but for like, us at the border, he was just enforcing the law. I mean, that's the thing, you know, I mean... Remember during the primary when Joe Biden had to defend that policy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he had to sort of separate himself from it, right? He said, well, I was vice president. Yeah, 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 I was was vice president. He didn't want to embrace it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, if you look at Obama and Secretary Jay Johnson were just enforcing the law. If you look at, you know, if you're in local TV, I mean, you listen to local news... Uh, on the border, I'm talking about when I'm down in Laredo, you listen yeah. to the migrants and they give you reasons. Hey, uh, in Spanish, why are you coming here? You know, why are you? 
well, you know, I couldn't find a job uh, back over here in Venezuela, or you know what, in Cuba, you know, this, or you know what, I, I'm looking for the American dream, oh, I want a better life, or there's crime over here, or, you know, you can go to Haiti and talk about political assassinations or droughts or earthquakes, whatever. All those reasons are not allowed under the law. They're not. It's got to be credible fear. That is yeah. persecution by the state. state. Yeah, yeah. So all those things that I hear there, they're not, they're not allowed. They're not allowed. So the question is, why are we, if I had the little red button, why are we not putting, you know, like the asylum officers and let those immigration judges hear the cases right away? Yeah. Uh, right away. And, and But we're letting people in into the U.S. And if the, it's an overflow, there's always a question, are we really tracking those people? Right. And I, I won't go into stories, I mean, but I've, I've talked to the officials and sometimes they really don't. A so, lot of it's put on the honor system because they're overwhelmed. They don't have enough personnel to track uh, the folks there. So if, if you ask uh, an immigration judge, and it depends, yeah, you know, the categories, uh, and who's coming in? You put a hundred people, eighty-eight to ninety percent are going to be rejected. Eighty-eight to ninety percent. Yes, eighty-eight to ninety percent. Not suffer. They can't prove that they're suffering state persecution. Correct. Right. So, so when you have thousands of people, this is going to start. Start. It's happening now, but it's going to be accelerated without Title Forty Two, right? They come in, and what what happens? They're 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 not. They're not uh, confined, right? Right, and 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 now it's gone to a point where so 80 percent of those are, are not just statistically are not likely to qualify for asylum, right? right? And, and and it all varies depends and, on who's in the hundred percent, right? Of course, but you know yeah. who gets the the highest percentage of uh, approvals on asylum cases? Yeah. Chinese. Oh, interesting. Well, you're going to understand why. You know, right. you right. know the they, state. Pretty much the state yeah. is persecuting everyone. Yeah, persecuting <laughs> everybody there. But it, it's interesting. And, and if you look at, you know, the numbers that I was showing you uh, a while ago, it will tell you that, that it's a mini UN down there. In the old days, it was Mexicans, mainly single male Mexicans looking for jobs, especially in the 90s. And then you had, remember, the Brazilians came in in 2005, somewhere around there. Um, and then you had the Central Americans. And right now, if you, I showed you the, the India, uh, Turkey, yeah. I, and name other countries. Uh, I always joke around because I had a Speaker Pelosi uh, when I took her down to the border. Uh, oh, down picture there, up there we stopped. Too, yeah. Yeah, the picture Laredo. that I'm pointing to, and, and she's down there with some uh, at the border with some border patrol. We went to see some folks that were stopped at the bridge there in Laredo. And there were a group of uh, people, and she, she went up there and said, where are you from? Georgia. Not the state of Georgia, but the country of Georgia. And, and, and I mean, you get people from everywhere. Was Pelosi surprised? She was, because, you know, a lot of times people think Mexicans and Central Americans. Right. Right. It's Georgia. Did you do that because you wanted, because you thought that a lot of Democrats just <coughs> have this kind of like elite liberal view of immigration? They don't really get what's going on? Uh, it's, it's, you know, sometimes I'm, as you know, I'm, I, I, I'm one of the few that speaks a particular way. And I would say it's not my opinion. It's the opinion of my border. If you go down there and you talk to almost everybody. Yeah. 
they'll have the same position. It's not that I'm coming up here with, you know, making up my positions. It's what I hear from the district. Yeah. So, yes, I took her because I think it's important. Uh, at the beginning of the year, in, uh, what was it, in February, I took, um, I asked uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries to go down there. He spent a whole day with me. And I told him, look, when Republicans go down there, they have their way of, you know, they'll go there with Border Patrol. They'll go there, you know, looking drugs and all that. And then when Democrats go there, they do the soft part, what I call hard and soft. NGOs, hey, did you have enough food today? How, how are you being treated? And I said, we got to see everything. I said, let's not do just a, a yeah. Democrat. Uh, let's not do a Republican. Because I can close my eyes and, and you tell me what they're doing. I said, that's a Democratic uh, uh, delegation trip down there. That's a Republican. <laughs> I can tell you right. without knowing who's there. What's that? He did everything. So I have to thank, um, uh, uh, you know, Hakeem. He went down there. Jeffries went down there. He did everything. Air Marine, trade, um, you know, Border Patrol, processing, NGOs. Uh, he, he even went there at night, a, a night patrol. Uh, he was there at the river also. We we're right there at the river. And we did everything. So I, 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 I got to thank this new leadership. And I thank Pelosi, but I thank uh, uh, Jeffries because he did everything. We all think that this uh, presidential election is likely to be a, a rematch of, of Biden versus Trump. This issue is not going away. Mm. What's your advice for Joe Biden running for reelection on how to uh, both pol the policy and politics and how to message this, this issue? What would you like to see him do? Well, I, I think it's important that um, President Biden and Democrats should take the position we can be on strong and border security and still be respectful of the um, of uh, immigrants' uh, rights. Uh, but at the same time, we got to make sure that you know the the power of the image you know is is powerful. I mean, what we're seeing at the border is powerful. When I see this affecting folks that are not political at all but are worried about it that has that has to have an impact and if we start losing democrats uh to the republicans they feel we're not doing uh, the job and securing the border uh or we start losing the independents because the independents were with biden he doesn't want to lose those independents absolutely and therefore we need to have centrals uh, uh, centrist uh, policies, especially when it comes to border security. Strong on border security, but still be respectful of immigrants' rights. Thank you for doing this great conversation. I really appreciate it. Anytime. That's Thank great. you so much. And that's our show. Our producers are Kara Tabor and Afra Abdullah. Our senior producer is Alex Keeney. I'm Ryan Lizza, host and executive producer of Deep Dive. Jenny Amant is Politico's executive producer of audio. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Please subscribe to Playbook Deep Dive wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.